0: and empowerment as the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples of indoctrination and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh,
0: Erin Addison's
1: on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki, and I'm Will. And Sherry B and Marty are on tap to help us navigate the show. But we have got really a packed show today. Mm -hmm. And um, I say that with no exaggeration detected. Uh, There's a lot that we a lot that we want to cover. There's some breaking news, though, coming from the Supreme Court. And uh, Fred Jackson, who is American Family Radio News Director, uh, joins us today to help us make sense of what's coming out of the Supreme Court. It seems that it's Almost sort of like a mixed opinion or a mixed decision here regarding the unconstitutional mandates um, of what has been called a vaccine, but forcing people to take shots. Fred, what's going on?
2: Yeah, it is a mixed decision, a divided decision by the United States Supreme Court on the issue of U.S. businesses. Those are businesses with 100 employees or more. The United States Supreme Court has ruled against the Biden mandate in that case Uh, by a six-to-three ruling, and this is not really surprising if you listen to the debate when the hearings were held last week, the three liberals uh, voting to maintain the mandate, but six of the justices, uh, Roberts was always the question mark, but he joined (laughs) with the other five conservatives, and uh, they're saying that that is unconstitutional. This is the OSHA rule uh, with regards to those businesses, that businesses with 100 employees or more would have to be uh, vaccinated. And uh, according to the conservatives, this is what they wrote, the OSHA, and that is, of course, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, uh, OSHA has never before imposed such a a mandate, nor has Congress. Indeed, although Congress has enacted significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it has declined to enact any measure similar to what OSHA has propagated here, and that's what they wrote. they not a particular author on that front. However, uh, with regards to healthcare care workers, mm-hmm. uh, the decision there, uh, we had Roberts and Kavanaugh joining the three liberals, saying that that mandate can stand. Mm-hmm. And what does that involve? The vaccine mandate that the court will allow to be enforced nationwide covers virtually all health care workers in the country. It applies to health care providers that receive federal Medicare or Medicaid funding, potentially affecting 76,000 health care facilities as well as home health care providers. So this was kind of expected uh, based on the questioning that we heard coming from the justices uh, last week when the hearing was held. Uh, so as far as the U.S. businesses, and businesses include organizations like the American Family Association, right, right. Uh, because we were part of a collective uh, group that went in. I think we were Answers in Genesis, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one more. I think in our group yeah. of of nonprofits, because mm-hmm. it affected nonprofits that objected uh, to this overreach uh, by the Biden administration, and so the United States Supreme Court putting a halt to that today. But if you're listening right now and you're a healthcare worker, uh, the decision went the other way for wow. those folks. Now we know, guys, uh, already there are healthcare workers. There was a story this morning where doctors who are refusing the vaccination, uh, they have been put out of work, and uh, many many you know nurses, yeah. uh, those who take care of 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 COVID patients, hmm. are off the job today. In fact, we have in California, and this is going to be kind of interesting. California, uh, just because they were so low on medical staff, they just recently allowed a staff that had, uh, uh, had 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 positive uh, readings for COVID, invited them back in to help out. Hmm. Uh, so it's hmm. it's going. To, yeah. yeah. This this one is going to be interesting to see how it manifests. Now there are. Religious exemptions uh, that are going to be allowed, medical exemptions for those health care workers. We'll see how that is going to work out. Mm-hmm. Wow!
1: Yeah, and I, I can tell our listeners, even right now, our legal counsel, Abraham Hamilton III, is looking over this, um, this decision, this ruling that came from the Supreme Court, this opinion. Uh, That came from the Supreme Court. And I know that he's going to be unpacking this in detail. So I encourage our listeners to continue standing by because I think, Fred, even as we are learning this information and we're trying to process it, the question that we always have is sort of like, what are the implications of these types of opinions down the line? Because while you have a split decision here, if you will, um, there are some people who kind of breathe a sigh of relief, but then you've got other people who are still kind of like white knuckling it and 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 still kind of wait a minute. But that's still not right, because these people do not give up their civil liberties just because of the profession that they have chosen. They mm-hmm. still should have the right to decide what they put in their bodies. And I think that's the thing that we're going to continue battling um, until until the right decision <laughs> or the right conclusion is arrived at.
2: Exactly. And you know, it's what's really interesting. Uh, the the fight on the behalf of the businesses was really about, and it was really about our constitutional right mm-hmm. for the Biden administration to do this. And clearly when it came to businesses, but you're exactly right, Miki, when it comes to healthcare workers, they have constitutional rights as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that this fight isn't over yet.
1: Yeah yeah wow. absolutely and we'll keep watching it and we'll keep praying and uh, we'll keep doing what other news outlets don't do we'll keep filtering this through a biblical lens we'll keep looking at what is the purpose of freedom and in fact that's something I'm going to be talking about next week I'm going to be joining a medical freedom rally in um, our state's capital uh, uh, next Wednesday and I'm going to be talking about this very specifically because Fred as you know as we all know our listeners know freedom is not just an empty desire mm. it is rooted in the nature and the character of God there is something that God reveals to us about himself, and there's a reason that he sets us free. And so we're going to talk about that and all of these things as we look at people seeking to curtail our freedoms in this country um, and why it's so important for us to keep standing up and telling the truth. Fred, thank you so much for for jumping on to help us um, present this information, this breaking news to all of our listeners. We appreciate you and your team. All right. Amen. All right. Okay. Well, let's make a dramatic shift here. <laughs> we've got a few minutes. Uh, this week, we've been talking about the ministry of preborn. And um, one of our favorite people to talk to who is a volunteer spokesperson for the ministry of uh, Preborn is Joyce I'm Bartholomew. And uh, she's talked to us a few times about Mm -hmm. the incredible work that the ministry of Preborn is doing, how we can partner with this ministry and how we can be a part of the solution, how we can be a part of saving the lives of innocent babies that without their mom seeing them, um, they might choose make make a different choice um and the end of that other choice is death but also the ministry of preborn is a blessing to moms it's a blessing to babies and it's also a blessing to moms Joyce thank you so much for joining us how are you
3: I'm good thank you thank you so much for having
1: me again yeah, no, it's our pleasure. And and man, there's so much happening in the world right now. And we, it's it's mm-hmm. almost sort of like you're just sort of trying to keep all of the balls going and keep everything in order. Yes. But this is the time where we focus in on the important work that we do to defend and to protect the lives of innocent babies, but also to give the kind of care and compassionate, let me say compassionate care and oversight to moms who find themselves in a crisis mm-hmm. situation. Can you share with our listeners who may be tuning in for the first time and are just now learning about the ministry of preborn. talk a little bit about what this ministry does
3: sure we are the compassion based on sort of the boots on the ground where we are the liaison between the donors the listeners like you guys who provide financial support like the 28 dollars for the ultrasound mm-hmm. to the centers because the centers are asking us for help financially grants machines anything they have, uh, gospel training. And we are affiliated with 500 centers right now, and 61 are our partner clinics. So we're the kind of the go-between to try to help serve them because they are on often shoestring budgets and they're not federally funded like Planned Parenthood.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's always sort of the thing that for me is one of the great sources of frustration when when people have wicked aims when their desire is for wickedness and their thirst is for blood when you have people who are hiding in wait and plotting and 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 waiting um to pounce on innocent people there seems to be unlimited resources at their disposal Dang. they seem to have <laughs> yeah. um you know just sort of whatever it is that they need to be able to arrive at those ends yeah. and unfortunately for us. We are on the side of righteousness. We are on the side of what is good. But in too many instances, it's exactly the case that you just kind of laid out, Joyce, where you've got these crisis pregnancy centers mm-hmm. who are saying, please help us. We are willing to do the work. In fact, we are doing the work, but our resources are so limited. Talk about the difference that seeing a baby on an ultrasound. Um, Talk about the difference of that in a mom's decision, whether or not to keep her baby or to, to have an abortion.
3: Sure. Without an ultrasound, which where she can see the baby and or hear the heartbeat as early as seven, she will choose life without the ultrasound only 40% of the time. But with it, she will choose life 80% of the time. It doubles the, ch- the chances of choosing life. Because she has a spiritual, emotional, mother-nurturing connection to her baby upon the moment she is there hearing the heartbeat of her baby.
1: Mm. You know, think about that, because what we are combating and sometimes we forget this, but we are combating a cultural discipleship that went on for decades that told people that babies were not babies, Mm -hmm. that these people in the womb were not human. So it Mm -hmm. makes sense that when you get back to the facts, when you and I, I hate to say it this way, but to a certain extent, When you humanize these babies again, Mm -hmm. there is the right kind of compassion that is drawn from the mother. When you Mm -hmm. undo the cultural discipleship that has been done, oh, it's not a baby. It's just a collection of tissues. It's not even you don't even need to worry about this. You're not going to even think about it tomorrow. When you remove those lies and in a sense, pull back the medical curtain and say, hang on a second. This is a person made in the image of God, it makes sense that the chances of that mother making the right decision, really making the only decision to choose life, mm-hmm. that it increases. And you say 80% of moms who mm-hmm. see their babies on ultrasound choose life.
3: Yes. It, it, it is a danger. That's why we are asking for the $28 for the free ultrasound for the centers or 140 for five of them, or even... for a refurbished machine that can last 10 years because we have like, um, we are, there's like 18 on a wait list right now. And uh, we're trying to save 3,000 babies at Mm. least. Mm. And it's, we are already, through all these faithful people helping and serving, we are already impacting all of the ultrasounds and Chicago, 30 centers, New York City, three centers, LA, mm. 12 centers, the entire, most of them of the East Coast of Florida, Orlando has two big centers, the best center in, of the USA is in Orlando, and tons in Dallas and in Houston and in DC. Mm. This is through the work of the people providing and supporting and praying and helping. And it's, we are gospel obsessed too. Mm. We, we are all <laughs> Christian centers. You know, yeah. because they, they can't come in there without realizing that. And, and if, we, if they want to be led in a Bible study, and also we present the gospel to them. We have these invitation, the invitation training seminars that we have created with June Hunt, uh, mm-hmm. author of Hope for the Heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she did that with Dan Steiner. And that has been very successful in training volunteers and the staff on how to present the gospel in a, fe- a more fearless way and Holy Spirit-led way. Mm. So it's not so daunting. And Amen. it's led to an increase to their um, acceptance of Christ as well.
1: Man, this is this is so important. We have an incredible opportunity. Um, to save lives. And I mean this in an eternal sense. I mean, we have an opportunity to save lives, but also to invite people into the saving knowledge, the saving relationship of Jesus Christ. And you can do that. Your support helps make that possible. Your gift of $28 provides one woman with the opportunity to see her baby on ultrasound or $140 for five ultrasounds. We can make this happen. We can do this. By the strength that the Lord gives us and our willingness, we can do this. The number 877-616-2396, 877-616-2396, or online at AFR.net. We'll take a break and we'll be right back.
2: God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've been through
1: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. We have have a scheduled guest, um, Pastor Pierre uh, Rosa, to talk about his book, The Book of Revelation, Unveiling God's Plan for Humanity. And uh, we're working on our connection with him. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he joins us, we'll get him on. But I I do... Lo and behold, she actually has something to say that uh, this time <laughs> <laughs> affords her to be able to say. So there we go. It kind of all works out just a little bit here. I, I want to talk for just a second here about, because we often are talking about having a biblical worldview and, and what that means. Mm-hmm. And there there was, um, we were talking about what it is to be pro-life on this program a while back. And we were talking about, you know, defending and protecting life, and and we were talking about the overwhelming numbers of Christian women who are making the decisions to abort their children, and um and and talking about the need for the church to to really be bold. And one of the emails that we got a while back has never left me, um, and I found it so striking and and very telling of where we are as far as Christians living in America and how we really have adopted the views, the cultural views of those around us. And this particular um, person who was listening um, kind of criticized how will the great and I could talk about um, abortion and, and saying that there should be no exceptions and, and saying, you know, what if a person is, you know, what about in the case of, of, rape or, Mm -hmm. or incest or something like that. And one of the things that, that she said in the email just really grabbed me and I, and I, I felt a great amount of sorrow for the exchange that she had with us, Mm -hmm. um, because she said, you know, you've got two daughters and, and she said, you know, um, I would, I would like to, to know what you would say down the line if your daughter were, um, Basically taken advantage of. She didn't say that, but I'm just trying to be careful here. And then a pregnancy resulted. Um, you know, she, I'd like to see what you'd say then.
0: Hmm.
1: And the thing that grieved me was that she thought somehow that the humanity of a person depends on the situation. That the humanity of this baby, when we are standing up and we are saying that God is the giver of life, that mm. he determines where life begins and when it right. ends, that God makes that decision. The thing that really just kind of like grieved me, made my heart just really heavy was that she thought somehow this, this situation that she presented would cause a new ethic for me. Mm. Or a different ethic for me, right you know right. situational ethics, where we we do what is right in our own eyes, sort of like in the time of the judges, right yeah, but here is what I am saying, and, and this is where I think every Christian needs to be our worldview is a biblical worldview, Amen. which means that if one of our daughters now, when I say our, I mean our the Addisons, I mean our the Christian. If one of our daughters comes home with an unplanned pregnancy, it doesn't mean that that baby is less human because well that's your daughter. That's that's your child. That's mm. that's guys, this is where or let me say it this way very plainly. This is how we have arrived to the place that we are at now where we are losing in the culture because we are not distinct, right? This is an argument. If it's a situational ethic that we have, it is an argument that is no different from the abortion minded mom who says, you know, I just can't do it right now. It's just, it's just not a convenient time. It's the same thing that the actresses have said Mm. in the last couple of years that Mm -hmm. because I had the right to make this decision, I was able to live my
0: life. Right.
1: <laughs> I was I was I was able to live my life and do what I wanted because mm-hmm. I was able to make my own choices. So in other words, we we are not talking about a person when when someone else wants to act in their own best interest. Mm-hmm. Guys, may it never cause a conflict for us when people show up with these various situations. See, because we don't have to make it up, we don't have to decide. If life is valuable, we only have to say what God says that it is that he is the giver of life. And, And I think the one thing that we have to always hold on to is that man is made in the image of God. And because of that fact, because of that fact, he or she has worth and value and that life should be protected. So, when we talk about, just as we did in the last segment with our sister Joyce, and we talk about, um, what appear to be the unlimited resources of your Planned Parenthoods. They're in it for the money and, and all of these things. And why does it seem to be so difficult for the Christian? You know, why, why are we often in our ministries, often struggling? Why, why do we have these issues? Why is it so difficult? I think the difficulty is financial, but I think there is an issue that is connected to even the raising of those finances. I think it's because we have not been able to stand flat footed on the truth of the word of God. Amen so we're kind of hesitant or we struggle to see the value of the resources that we should be raising that we should be contributing because we're we're not all in for the value the total value of human life we're we're not quite all in on that in fact we know and and we've we've had some some correspondence even behind the scenes where you know there are some people who they're pro incremental change because they kind of don't really know where they are right, on the total abolition right. of abortion. They they don't. Uh, it's like, you know, wh- what what will what will happen <laughs> if people are no longer able to kill their babies? We don't we don't know. We don't know. And I and I try to I try to apply that now. Um, I'll be careful here. But I try to apply that logic to any other question where we talked about uh, people's rights and, and, and we talked about justice, you know, like asking the question, um, asking the question, what what will free people do with their freedoms? If you if you can understand the parallel that I'm drawing there, what will free people do with their freedoms? Here is what I'm saying. And I'm going to bring this to a close because I understand we have our guest on here. Here is what I'm saying. The value of human life has already been determined by God. It is not changed. It is not altered because of our situations. We have to be on the side of truth. We have to retell what God has already told. Mm-hmm. We have to re-say what God has already said. We're not making it up. All right, Um, right. I'm going to pause there because we do have our guest on. Um, Pastor Pierre Rosa joins us. He is the author of the Book of Revelation, Unveiling God's Plan for Humanity. He also serves, let me just pull up my notes here. Sorry, I was, okay. He also serves as um, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Salem, Oregon. Pastor Rosa, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you.
4: Well, thank you for having me on.
1: All right. So I just want to jump right in. And 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 the way I want to transition, I had so many questions, even as I was thinking about and preparing for this interview, I had so many questions about the time that we're living in and how every everywhere that we look, um, I think even for the person who doesn't fear God, even for the person who has not come to Christ and who has not received the forgiveness that is available in, in Jesus Christ, even those people are able to look around and to see that something is going on in the world, some something is shifting. The times are changing, mm-hmm. and I think there is a sense that you know, even for the for the unsaved, they look around. There is a sense that man, it just can't continue on like this. There there has to be a point where something changes, or something gives, or something breaks, or or something is 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 over. Um, and I'm wondering if as you were writing this book and as even you were teaching this to your church, because I believe that's how you um, came to write the book. I'm wondering if you had a sense of that.
4: I did. And the part of the reason for me wanting to write the book is I really wanted to understand our place in, in church history, hmm. where we are and what God has in store for us. And, uh, we've had many, um, unbelievers ask questions uh, during that series. Um, and uh, interesting questions. This was before the pandemic and all of that started. So, mm-hmm. um, my desire was to, to understand what God's plan for for us. Uh, and the future is bright for those of us who are believers. And uh, the future is not so bright for people who are not in Christ. And yeah. out of compassion, we need to tell them that uh, God has our attention, definitely for sure. In the last, at least, the last couple of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and I would say, and and I'm I'm I'd like to hear your take on this. I think for believers, um, even longer than that. I I think for believers, those who are discerning and those who are reading the text, um, I think there's been a sense of sort of like a decline in humanity. That it there seems to be almost a breaking down. Um, it becomes very obvious that man is in need of a savior, and that this world as it is now is not our home. This is not our final destination. Um, can you take us back though, if we could just rewind just a little bit, take us back to your teaching the book of revelation to your congregation and the Lord just impressing on your heart that not only should this line by line breakdown be for your congregation, but that as many people who are willing should be, should be able to read about and read the book of revelation and be able to understand and conceptualize.
4: Yeah, because, um, the book of Revelation promises blessing, both in the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, uh, for those who read it and understand it. So, really, God brackets that book with those promises. And even though there are bizarre images in the book, there's uh, apocalyptic language and things we may not understand uh, when we read it only once, the book itself promises that uh, we will be blessed if we take the time to understand all the metaphors, to understand all of the figures of speech and all of the images and all of that. So that was what I wanted to do. Um, and I said, what a, what a great thing to do to take the church through this uh, and then just take the time to read and understand, because I want to be blessed uh, and I wanted to, uh, to have my faith uh, and, and hope renewed. So that was the sense uh, here at, at the church as we were going through the book um, and man, I, how we grew. Uh, in spiritually speaking and in closeness to the Lord during that time. It's a wonderful book to study.
0: Awesome. I know one of the big questions that a lot of uh, listeners have and I've had, you know, pertaining to America, you know, you're always trying to find yourself mm-hmm. uh, within, uh, right. you know, the story. So h- how do you see uh, this thing unfolding, uh, especially when, as it concerns the United States of America? Yeah, uh,
4: well, we uh, I didn't find the United States in the Book of Revelation. It's mm-hmm. not there. Uh, <laughs> but what we have is um, we see the progression. For example, in the first three chapters of the book, especially chapters two and three, when Jesus Christ addresses the church, mm-hmm. you know, so he lists, he writes to seven churches. The risen Christ writes to seven churches in Asia Minor that are representatives of the church in general, you know, worldwide speaking, and. Mm-hmm. And I think um, the church in America uh, is represented by the loveless church in many cases there, the church that lost its first love, and also the lukewarm church, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of um, departing from the, the ways of the Lord. And, you know, this nation was founded upon Christian beliefs and, and the Judeo-Christian morals. Right. Uh, but when we find ourselves walking away from that, we see, we, you know, we at least have an idea of where how close we are. To all of these things happening. Mm -hmm.
1: Do you believe that America is uh, a post Christian nation? I know that you were born and raised in Brazil and that you actually came to faith in the Lord in Brazil and then moved to the United States and continued or began your study for ministry. Um, but I'm I'm wondering because you have a unique perspective here, Pastor Rosa. Like you, you right. there's a I think to be able to view the United States kind of like from an outside perspective, but then also an inside perspective. Mm. Um, do you believe that we are a post-Christian nation?
4: Yes, that that's a fact that we are no longer a Christian <laughs> nation. I, you know, one of the reasons I I came here 22 years ago, 24 years ago. And I can't I lost track now. One of the reasons <laughs> is because of the moral values that the christian um, principles here of uh, in the United States this is the greatest nation in the world, I am convinced of that, but it breaks my heart to see what i'm what I'm what we're witnessing now because I've mm-hmm. never seen anything like we're experiencing now with uh, yeah. so much hostility to 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 our faith mm-hmm. uh, you know legislation against our faith you know I'm gonna preach this coming Sunday about this uh Bill that they passed in Canada, come on, outlawing evangelism to, yeah. to to homosexuals and all of that. And you know, if we do, if we don't yeah. think this is going to come to us here, uh, <laughs> it, it, the you know, states here in the U.S. have flirted with the idea ten years ago. So <laughs> we are in a post-Christian um, nation, and the, the the best thing we do is you know that's good news for the believer because the darker the times, the greater it's our uh, ability to to shine the light of Christ. So I'm actually excited. About gospel opportunities during such a time as this. Mm,
1: that's great. Listen, okay, so so I, I, I want to kind of unpack that just a little bit more and and I want to talk about even in light of when you read the book of, of the Revelation, you sort of kinda are recalibrated. And I think that there should be, if you're if you're reading it rightly, and you can you can take me to task on this, Pastor Rosa, but I think if you're reading it rightly. There should be an increased compassion and almost a mourning for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just mm. no way you can read Revelation and just kind of walk away going, wow. But <laughs> there should there, there's kind of like a moment where you're like, oh, Lord, people need the truth. So I want to talk about sharing the gospel and all of the ways that we as Christians often, often fail. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Our guest, Pastor Pierre Rosa. We'll take a break and be right back. He put that out. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's On American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will. And that's unspoken with reason.
1: And our guest is Pastor Pierre Rosa, who for 10 years uh, served at Shadow Mountain Community Church. So many of our listeners, as soon as I said that, they're like, that's Pastor David Jeremiah. You are correct. He is now the senior pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Salem, Oregon. He's also a graduate of San Diego Christian College, Southern California Seminary southwestern baptist theological seminary where he there earned his doctor of ministry degree he's written a book the book of revelation unveiling god's plan for humanity and we're talking about that today we're talking about um, how urgent it is and how late the hour is and everything that we see should compel us to to share the gospel and in light of some recent links that i was sent To share the gospel accurately and to make sure (laughs) that that you tell the truth about God's wrath that remains on mankind if they do not accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which remains totally sufficient. Um, Pastor Rosa, thank you so much for joining us. Before we went to break, I was going to ask you about the implications um, as we're reading the book of Revelation and understanding what awaits those who have not come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, how do you think um, this has to fuel evangelism?
4: Yeah, because what we have in the book of Revelation is such a terrible picture of the wrath of God being poured down on the earth uh, against those who have rejected Christ. You know, and we talk about pestilence and wars and and, and, uh, government overreach. Oh, goodness, think about the Antichrist. (laughs) Mm. and what He's going to do, and, um, you know, and out of compassion, we should be telling all our friends who are unsaved, say, man, you don't want to be here for that time, Mm. because uh, on the other hand, believers will be in heaven receiving crowns and rewards, and having perfect fellowship with one another, and Mm. with the risen Christ. So, Mm. Mm. uh, man, and yeah, it pumps me up every time I read the book, and that's part of the the, the fruit that we saw here in our church is that people were more motivated to reach others for Christ than ever before. Wow. Because of um, everything we, we see in the book of Revelation. So it's one of the most evangelistically minded books that I've ever read in the Bible.
1: Mm. Wow. Wow. Now, let me ask you something. To, to that point, you know, when people start to get stirred to share the gospel how do we make sure that we are sharing the gospel effectively? What is, how do we develop um, the practice? I don't want to diminish it by saying the habit, but really it should be a part of our daily lives. Um, How do we develop Mm -hmm. that practice of accurately sharing the gospel?
4: Yeah. And interesting. Uh, I was asked that question many times, uh, you know, and the the answer is we we are called upon to witness. Uh, So we, when we talk about sharing Christ, we must speak. Of course, our lifestyle has to back it up with mm-hmm. with a good testimony and all of that, but we are called upon to witness, um, to be witnesses of Christ. So we need to be speaking. We need to be talking to other people and telling them about uh, Jesus Christ and salvation in no other name. Now, it may take some time to stir the conversation towards that topic, but um, we, we, we get to train our people here on how to do that uh, at Grace Baptist Church. And uh, the urgency of uh, speaking with people, of using our words to communicate the gospel. And we have we have Spanish speakers in our community here, so we we encourage our folks to do it in both languages.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. You know, you you uh, made a point about a blessing being added to the, the the reader. I think from our conversation, one of the blessings that I see is that motivation. Uh, To be a witness, you know, that that's that blesses us to be encouraged that man, because these things are true, you know, that I need to tell those who are lost. And so I I think that's one of the blessings. But I want to ask you about um, persecution, because that's one of the the themes you see throughout Revelation. And and so here in America, we haven't experienced what uh, our brothers and sisters uh, in other countries have, you know, um, we, we we call certain things here persecution, and it and it's not the same as in you know say Nigeria or Iran or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know how do you think some of those yeah. things will unfold here? And I'm and I'm hoping and praying that we are ready, you know, to, to face up to those yeah. things.
4: Right, I think we're already seeing that. Mm-hmm. Will I, we? You know, in America, we've had 200 years of freedom. And yeah. That's not the norm in church history. When when you look at right. church history. Enormous persecution, and mm-hmm. God used persecution during, you know, two, for two thousand years to grow the church and to embolden believers. So, yeah, even though we don't face uh, we don't physical threats here mm-hmm. yet in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, the day may may come in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, like you said, we should be encouraged, because God purifies the Church Amen. when that happens. You know, And again, I think, I think we're seeing the beginning of that with political persecution,
0: yeah.
4: uh, with uh, our, our freedoms being eroded and all of that. But there's no reason to panic, because God knows what He's doing. He's Amen. in control, and uh, <laughs> He's going to continue to proclaim the Gospel through the lips of persecuted believers. And he, he prevails. He wins at the end. You know, the book of Revelation is very clear. Mm. We win at the end. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I I wonder why Pastor Rosa, if, be, let me say not if these things are true, because we know these things are true, because when we read the book of Revelation, I mean, there there is just something that compels people to um, anticipate uh, not only the return of the Lord, but even, and, and. We can go here if you'd like to, but the catching up of the saints, I, I, I believe that that's something that uh-huh. has become so yeah. overlooked in the church. Mm. When when I was growing up, there was an anticipation that mm. at any moment you could be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And, and, and I think sometimes people get that confused that we will be caught up to be with the Lord and then also the Lord Jesus coming back. And I'm wondering if you can... Um, kind of talk us through that a little bit how do we get that anticipation and that excitement back in the body of christ
4: yeah so uh, i think we we love the world way too much
2: Mm. Uh, and uh,
4: god wants to purify our affections and wean us from the world Um, and maybe that's the reason we're experiencing a little bit of persecution (laughs) now to be reminded that this is not our final home amen That uh, that day that you mentioned, that the rapture of the Church is such a glorious day for us to be looking forward to, uh, rather than being attached to the things of this world. Uh, But yeah, the the next event in God's calendar, prophetic calendar is the catching up of of the saints in the air, and we see that in in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, when the Church is no longer mentioned for the the, the remainder of the book, uh, and we see that saints are in heaven enjoying fellowship and worshiping Christ. But yeah, I think God um, wings us from the world by, by sinning, difficulty, and, and, and persecution, and all of that, and we should welcome those, because not only it's an opportunity for us to grow nearer uh, and draw near to, to God, but to anticipate life in a glorified existence where there will be sorrow no more, where there will be no persecution, no, uh, the government will be perfect because uh, we will be ruled by the King of Kings, you know, mm. so... Uh, We have a lot to look forward to.
1: You know, I know that there's been some conversation, and I think that these kinds of public conversations, and because um, believers have access to all kinds of information today, all kinds of uh, communication via the Internet and people's um, YouTube pages and all of these things, but I know that there's been some public conversations that have really called into question the believers um, waiting to be raptured waiting to oh. be caught up and and there's even been um you know things said that that these Christians are they just want to escape they're just afraid to suffer they just want to get out and you know I'm wondering how we reconcile that also to the apostle Paul who while suffering still said we who are alive and remain will be caught up like what was like what was he trying to escape and I'm I'm wondering how we can bring the truth of what the timeline is um, back to the forefront of the conversation that maybe some of these these unbiblical conversations have overshadowed
4: yeah uh Mickey I think uh, the you you when you preach the Bible verse by verse and you don't skip around you you don't skip the difficult topic or you 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 just take one book at a time um and god it's it's a it's a, it's a good diet of the word of God and um God will again, change our perspective and give that uh, that perspective that Paul had, you know, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, even though I'm in prison now when he wrote uh, to the Philippians. He says, you know, my circumstances have contributed to the progress Amen. of the gospel. So he has yes. the, the bo- best of both worlds, and it's true for us as well.
1: In the book, you really lay out, um, I, I want to call it an exploration of the book of, of the revelation, like just sort of line by line and verse by verse. And I think that this is something that is so refreshing because as, as believers, um, we want to be taught, we want to be trained in the word. And yet what has happened is that we've got increasingly pastors in the pulpit who believe that they've got to make their lessons more exciting and Mm. more, which if you just read the Bible, let me not say that there has to be like an either or the (laughs) word of God is exciting, um, but it doesn't mean that you've got to focus on the entertainment um, versus the truth. But what you have done is just laid this out so that people who would endeavor to read the book of the revelation would, would walk away with a better understanding. Why was that so important?
4: Yeah, you know, and you said it well. I mean, You said all the excitement is in the word. You know, the, the message is perfect even when it's communicated uh, by imperfect people. I mean, look at me. I have a weird accent. You know, it's still people who so heard the, the truth <laughs> communicated. Yeah, communicated from, from the word of God. And uh, I just wanted to teach the book and get out of the way. Um, and being, being used of God to communicate the, 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 the wonderful and exciting truth of God's Word. So I think that uh, when we pastors and preachers allow just the Word of God to do the work and we get out of the way, we, we, we preach it like it is, we don't include anything. Of course, we, we, we want to package the message with an introduction and a, and a conclusion and, and throw a, an illustration here and there. But the point is, when you, when you take the Church through... Uh, A a healthy diet of God's Word, verse by verse. You allow God to do all the work. And the the promise from the Bible is that His Word never comes back void. Mm. And I certainly experienced that in the ministry here.
1: Amen. You say that it is our job to make the Word of God available, not acceptable. Um, talk about the difference right. between those two inclinations. Like we we <laughs> want to make the word available, but then we kind of face these external pressures where we're like, but I also want them to accept what I'm saying. And we feel like it's that that weight rests primarily on us when it doesn't.
4: Yeah, exactly. It's because we want people to uh, respond when we preach. We want family members to, to come to faith in Christ and uh, but uh, and, and our temptation is to remove all of the controversial parts of the gospel mm. uh, and remove the, the parts that confront human sin from the message. And that's a real temptation because we, we want to make the message uh, acceptable. But again, our job is just... To, I'm the delivery boy. Our job <laughs> is to just deliver the message and, uh, and, and let God do all the work. Um, if, if, we, if, we, if we have that in our minds, uh, God will honor our faithfulness. Uh, but the problem is when we try to water down the message or remove the parts that we, we think are controversial today, it may be different tomorrow. So if we just make the, the Word of God available, God will do all the work.
1: Amen. Amen. Can we talk a little bit about the final judgment and what we as believers need to know about that, and maybe even unbelievers who are listening in, what, what do they need to know about the final judgment?
4: Yeah, it's easy to get to judgments confused in the Bible because uh, there, there are different types of judgments. For example, mm-hmm. the the judgment seat of Christ is when we will get rewarded for our uh, faithful work, believers. But uh, the Bible talking the book of Revelation talks about the great white throne judgment, when unbelievers will be brought back to life so that they can be judged and sentenced forever to the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what's frightening mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that. We don't want people to go through that judgment. We want them to to have their works judged, in other words, uh, for, for rewards, you know, the bema seed of Christ, but not the, the great white throne judgment um, is when uh, the devil will be sentenced to, the Bible says, the Antichrist, that they're all going to be sent to the lake of fire to, be, to suffer forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the unbelievers who die now are already suffering in Hades, the Bible says, but they'll be brought, uh, for that one last judgment, they'll be brought back to life, and that's in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. So we want to tell people, this is not an event you want to be a part of. Right. You know, you, you want to come to Christ right now and, uh, and so that you can receive life and avoid that. You know, so that's... Um... But yeah, it's easy to get the judgments confused uh, in the New Testament.
1: So Pastor Rosa, I have, I have two more questions, but I know I'm looking at the time and we're not going to be able to get to both of them because that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to unpack just a little bit. So I'll just kind of allude to it, the difference in the judgments and then understanding that when we're talking about the believers receiving rewards for how they have lived and, and being accountable for what they knew, um, it's not a time where there's going to be like sorrow. It's It's just there will be rewards that will be handed out based on what you did with what the Lord entrusted to you versus those who did not accept Jesus Christ. It's not a, that's not a time for the believer to live in fear. Um, those are two different things. Um, but, but again, we don't have time. So let me just ask this question. Where can our listeners get a copy of the book?
4: Amazon, um, or they can go through our website, truthwithgrace.org. That's all spelled out, truthwithgrace.org.
1: truthwithgrace.org. T- Truth with grace. Uh, The name of the book is The Book of Revelation, Unveiling God's Plan for Humanity. Pastor Pierre Rosa authored this book. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing.
0: God bless.